Welcome to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Nason. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest books. Recovery, addiction, and family secrets are themes for our show today. We welcome Mary Lou Quinn talking about her latest novel, Lost and Found, and Jennifer Cunningham sharing her book of poetry, Dark Angels, A Book of Sins. Joining us on Inside the Writer's Cafe is author Mary Lou Quinn. After earning a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Southern Maine, Mary Lou taught English literature and history. She is passionate about reading and writing. She's lived everywhere from California to Maine to Alaska. And she's here with us today to talk about her new book, Lost and Found. Welcome, Mary Lou. Well, thank you very much, Cheryl. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I have to always get myself to say this at the very beginning of an interview because I will start talking to you about the book and we will lose our listeners. So before we really get started, would you please give our listeners an overview of Lost and Found? Well, it's about a young woman who is uh, dealing with um, recovering from alcoholism. She's lost what she thought was the only uh, person left in her family life, which was her father. Her mother died at an early age. And she spent most of her life running away from things that she couldn't deal with. And so she's run away to a small coastal community in Maine uh, by the name of Monday. And um, she... She's lost herself as well, and so she's she's looking for something. She's not sure what she's looking for, but um, she's dealing with the loss of her father, especially. And she ends up in this small community, which is in the throes of a multitask force on uh, the drug problem in the county that Monday is in. And there's a case of mistaken identity because she's from away and it's assumed that she's a plant for this task force. So that starts a series of events that she is totally um, in the dark about, and she can't understand why people are acting the way they are, and it also, um, there are a chain of deaths um, due to the paranoia involved in the drug trafficking, et cetera, plus her own paranoia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which comes in. Um, but as the title suggests, it's, she's lost, and, but she does find herself and finds much more. And um, it's her, her dealing with what she comes across and, um, and making it her own. I guess that's... Now, without giving too much away. <laughs> no, we don't want to give. We don't want to give too much away. We just want to sort of tease our listeners so that they'll go to Amazon and read the book and buy a copy of it. Now, <laughs> your main character's name is Mary Margaret. No, Margaret Mary Murphy. I I knew I'd get that in the wrong order. <laughs> Margaret Mary Murphy, and she's a very interesting young lady. She I, I love the scene where you have her in this small town diner that you've called Josie's Diner. Mm-hmm. And there's a character named Josie. And you describe Josie as having this red hair that is obviously naturally curly and it sticks out all over her head. And she looks like 
what little orphan Annie might look like at 50. And I laughed when I read that because then your main character obviously is a redhead as well. And the funny thing about it was I saw Julianne Moore interviewed the other day and she is a natural redhead. She's an actress. Mm-hmm. And, and they were interviewing her. I think she's nominated for an Oscar. I'm not sure, but I saw the interview. And the point is, she said that redheads always see one another and they'll always talk with one another in a crowd and these two characters your main character margaret mary murphy and josie bond immediately and when i read that i flipped back to to what she said about redheads bonding immediately and i just thought that was a very interesting scene because she was comfortable and part of it was the red hair yes and and she was i Margaret Mary was um, actually a little envious because Josie seemed to fit into her her hair and her her whole um, character, and she was comfortable in her own skin. And Margaret wasn't comfortable in her own skin. And red hair tends to stick out. And and yes, it, it you know it's kind of like the temper that goes with redheads. And and so Margaret has dealt with all that. <laughs> I love it. Well, she has now. You talked about Monday, Maine. Mm-hmm. Some of our listeners, I'm sure, will immediately jump on their smartphones to see if they can find Monday, Maine. It's not a real place, right? No, it's not. You actually have, have had another life before you started to write. And so you brought part of that other life into the descriptions of Monday, Maine when you created it. Yes. Uh, it has to do with, uh, I used to have a craft business, and I went up and down the coast of Maine. And Maine has so many small little coastal towns, and there are bits and pieces of each one of them that are extra special. And so I've kind of taken all those bits and pieces and put them together to create Monday, Maine. And it's spelled M-U-N-D-Y, which is actually an Irish name, and there's there's a lot of Irish history. Um in the Irish coming to not only Maine, but to the United States or to America. Um, so I, I tried to weave some of that history into the, um, the actual backstory for Monday, Maine. Your last name is Quinn. Irish yes. background? Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought so. And including uh, names. I have uh, relatives that... Uh, Good Irish Catholic names are Margaret Mary, Mary Margaret, <laughs> Agnes Mary, Mary Agnes, Agnes. <laughs> it just kind of goes on and on and on. How funny. My mother's name was Margaret, so I identified with the character immediately, too. How funny. <laughs> well, this has also got a little bit of a, a hot guy in it. Mm-hmm. You've got Deputy Harold Grimes, and let's face it, Margaret's first reaction to him is uh, very interesting because she's. You opened the novel in a way that I really thought reaches out and grabs your reader uh, by the the lapels and begins to shake them instantly because uh, Margaret's in this little ho- little motel. It's July the Fourth weekend, and she's traveling. And made no reservations, and so everything is no vacancy, closed, sorry, can't help you. And she comes upon this main, the Baron's Motel, and there's a, a 
very interesting proprietor named Winnie. And mm-hmm. so she gets this tiny, tiny, tiny little room. And this person, she's asleep, and this person begins to beat on the door and beat on the window. And you just really reach out and grab us at the very, very <laughs> beginning, Mary Lou. Where did you get the idea to start the novel that way? Um, well, actually, it goes against everything that I was taught in uh, how you start a book, that publishers don't want you to start that way with the main character being asleep. The the actual uh, motel room, I stayed in a, a little corner room that had no windows or anything. Ah. Uh, so that, actually, that that, uh, that room does exist. <laughs> I won't say where. Good. Um, but it, it does exist, and... Um, but not at the Barons because that again is made up and and not with a proprietor Winnie. Uh, I just that was the that showed the poor timing that Margaret has. I mean, everything that she does, she always seems to to pick the worst time to do things. It's sort of like Murphy's Law, only Murphy was an optimist, right? And her so, last name being Murphy, I'll I'll forgive the pun. <laughs> you have to be careful. I love I love words. I love playing with words. Of course you do. You've taught English literature, and you and I bonded immediately. I'm a former high school English teacher, and so are you. So I love the words. I love word games. All of that play on words. I love all of that stuff as well. Yes, but, and, and to, to get back to uh, Harold Grimes, I think she describes Harold Grimes as she's, as she's coming out of a being knocked out as uh, the devil with the deep brown eyes. Yes. Because and she's she's embarrassed. Of course, she she has absolutely um, no self confidence whatsoever. Although she can come on like gangbusters, but that's to protect herself. Um, and so she concentrates on his his nameplate, but he's taller than she is, which. Um, She's not really tall, but she's taller than a lot of people that she's been around. And so it's it's nice to find somebody that's, you know, like six feet four. And mm. I, could <laughs> just, uh, I could see this guy. I mean, you know, you did a wonderful job. She wakes up, here's brown eyes looking down at her, you know, and then she has to go back and, and talk with him and give him, quote, her statement. And the scene in the diner between... Uh, Josie and and that's that's very clever. It's very well done and very well written. What would you like to say to our listeners about the book to get them to read the book? Well, it's written to entertain, but it's also written um, in a way to um, exercise some of my own personal demons, and that is to say. Um, we all go through a lot of emotional states. Um, we have to deal with a lot of things in our life. And um, writing this book was just a way for me to um, go through those events. Um, but as a uh, an outsider looking in, or as a, a uh, as the audience to it, I you know I could uh, I could deal with the loss of my own father, which happened after I started writing the book. Um, and so I could take those emotions that I had, but then I could put them 
out there as something away from me. And Good. so I could experience it. It's sort of like an out-of-body experience. I could experience it, but I was experiencing it through somebody who was in my imagination. And gave and you some objectivity of the event, which... Exactly. I was seeing it through yeah. someone else's eyes. And, um, you know, that I, I've always loved escaping into books. Me too. Um, yeah, me too. Because that, that, that's what I would do when anything got too complicated, whatever. I would read a book and I would be submerged in that life. And what I would like is I would like, I would like to share that with readers and I would like them to be so um, involved or relate so much to Margaret that they want to continue to find out what she's doing in her life and, and to continue to... Um, you know, share their life with her. So, And even though her dad's gone, he's still an important character in this novel because their last conversation, he just sort of hints at something about family and her roots and she doesn't get it and he's no longer there to ask. And I think for those of us, and I, like you, have lost my father, and I think for those of us whose parents are no longer there for us to ask those questions that will come up mm -hmm. in your head and you'll think, gosh, I wish my mom or gosh, I wish my dad were here and I could ask them about this. So, right. Yeah, I, I, li I like that, that perspective of the book. So you have a website, of course. Mm -hmm. would, we, would you like to give that address to our listeners? Uh, yes, it's very simple. Good. <laughs> it's com. And are you on Facebook, Twitter? Uh, I am on Twitter. Um, and I... I'm, I don't. I have a personal Facebook page, but I, I haven't done anything with the book on it. So it, uh, there is a fan, a Facebook fan page, I guess. Good. Um, and I'm working on. I'm learning about blogging <laughs> because I'm talking to you right now from a rotary dial telephone. <laughs> oh my gosh! Really? <laughs> yes. But I'm sitting right next to my computer. No wonder you're so clear. So often I have authors who will call me on cell phones and about halfway through the interview, it just drops and they're gone. And we have to sort of start over in the middle. So no wonder you're so clear. That's hilarious. I, I, I could, in my head, I have a picture of your rotary phone sitting next to that computer. That's great. Where can our listeners get the book? Now, I've mentioned Amazon, and if they want a preview, obviously, they can go to Lost, they can go to Amazon, put in Lost and Found, but also put in Buy Mary Lou Quinn, because there are a couple of other things that have yes. Lost and Found in their title. Oh, my sister pointed that out to me when she went to get it off of Amazon. She said, you realize you pick the title that everybody has? How do you pick it's a actually, It's actually easier to find it under my name than it is to find it under Lost and Found. Um, but it's got a beautiful blue cover. Yeah. And uh, so if you come across that, um, you found the right book. It's available on Barnes & Noble. And it's also uh, available through um, Author House, the Excellent. publisher. Excellent. And it's in both hardcover, softcover, and ebook. So whatever your preference is for reading... Um, hopefully, I, I know it's not on audio, but <laughs> coming soon. 
Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, it's hard to get your book on every kind of media now that's mm. available. So I think you've done a really, really nice job. Such a pleasure to talk with you today. I really enjoyed our interview. And I wish you the very best of luck with Lost and Found. So thanks for being with us today, Mary Lou. Thank you very much, Cheryl. You've made it a very pleasurable experience. <laughs> Good. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. I'd like to introduce you to a poet. Her name is Jennifer Cunningham, and she's joining us today for the first time on Inside the Writer's Cafe. She started being published at a very young age. She was only 15, and that happened as a result of her having the nerve to enter the National Library of Poetry contest. Her poetry reflects her own lifelong personal struggle with depression, and she's joining us to talk about her new book, Dark Angels, A Book of Sins. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi. It's, How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. It's so good to have you today. I'm honored to be here to well, talk to you. Well, my first question, I'm sure, is exactly the first question that our listeners are thinking. Why poetry? A poet, I don't know. Poetry speaks to me. For some reason, I can write it and it just flows. I love it. I can connect with it. And I hope other people can, too. Now, did you start writing as a result of a school assignment, or did you just start putting your thoughts on paper, and there they were, and they were poems? How did that all happen? Well, I'm kind of an emotional person, so when I write, everything just kind of comes out. Um, So, no, I think I just started writing one day, and this was the result of it. Well, I think this is wonderful. I always admire people who can write poetry. I think it's, I just think it's terrific. Would you read us one of your poems? Yes, I will. Uh, This is one of my favorites. Um, I'll try to hold the book here for you. (laughs) (laughs) We can't Um, see you, so it's okay. Oh, good. (laughs) It's called Fierce Lightning. The clouds roll in, a storm is brewing in the air. Fear consumes in lightning cracks as I just stare. The skies open up and the rain lets loose. Winds whip around me like the sins I choose. The sticks and stones that left me bruised, bleeding scars, help I refuse. Whirling, blackened, head in a spin, resembles this weather that I am in. Heart like the thunder, pounding so fierce, my eyes like the rain, pouring the tears. The earth that is trembling is knocking me down. The storm just keeps blowing me around. Like a tornado, my world is at spin. Standing my ground, I know I can win. Fierce lightning now cracks across the skies. I see it in the heavens. It glitters in my eyes. Hold me back. Hold me down. Take me to safety before I drown. The raging rivers now collide with all the emotion that I hide. Flooding waters, paving dirt, so many pages of disdain and hurt. The screaming tides that washed me away knocked me off my feet today. I tried to hang on, but I was too weak. The thunder, the lightning, they all did speak. Pulled me up to the heavens, into the night. No more weather did I then fight. 
Wow, that's wonderful. What inspired you? People can get consumed with emotion. And when that happens, they can feel like a storm is brewing in them, you know, the, the dark clouds fogging their mind and their heart just beating like thunder and their eyes crying like the rain from the sky. And when I put all that together, you can see the storm, you can feel the storm, you can almost know what it's like to be up there with yeah. the winds crashing and the rain falling. And You're exactly right. And your words make me have a mental image of that kind of storm. And that's one of the things that I admire so much about poets is that they have the ability to create those mental images. And you're absolutely right. The storm is a perfect analogy for emotional upset and emotional turmoil. I mean, I, I love it. It's great. How did you choose that one to read? Because it is one of my favorites, um, it flows so good, too. So um, a friend of mine also told me that this was one of his favorites, and this is the same friend who, over the years, you know, kept telling me that I needed to write. I needed to get this out. Um, I can connect with this one very well, I guess because it is one of my favorites, because it does really describe the emotions in this book. Because this, this book's going to cover quite a few different emotions that one feels in their lifetime. Now Some you, happy, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you told me before we started talking that you just had volumes and volumes and volumes of work that you've done. How did you choose the poems that you included in Dark Angels, A Book of Sins? Probably it was hard to uh, do. It was. Um, I have, and I know that I've missed some because I've written work and just, you know, never, but I know I've missed some. I guess Given the onset of the content, the onset of my depression, and just, it's been an ongoing thing, and I guess I felt by me choosing these and putting these in a book and getting the book out, then hopefully somebody else who's in the position or feels the same way that I have felt can connect with it, can um, understand that, hey, you know what, this is, this is normal, people go through this, I will be okay. I'm not alone. I thought that that was one of the real themes of your poems, that mm -hmm. you really want to talk about that hope and that helping other people, and especially young people. You know, in this world, young people are going through so much. We hear so many terrible things about mm -hmm. bullying and, and issues that they're dealing with. And I think something like your book, because of its positive nature, uh, I think it could be really helpful. And many counselors talk about writing as a form of 
helping yourself deal with these emotional issues that you're going through. Has your writing helped you with your depression? Oh, com- completely, yes. Um, I, I was one who didn't really like to tell people how I felt. Right. And the only way I could get it out was to write it down. Um, I may not have thought it helped me at that time, but I know now that it did. Um, I can tell you that when I got my first copy in my hand, the overwhelming sensation that I got. It's incredible. Yeah. It was. I was, I was speechless. And it's like, I actually did this. I actually took the courage. I mean, this is brave. (laughs) It It is brave. It took a lot of guts for me to do this. It is brave. Because it's very personal. It is brave and courageous and congratulations. Thank you. Certainly. I read the dedication to the book. And, of course, you've dedicated it to your husband. But I'm dying to talk about your grandpa, Ernie. Because in the dedication, you call him Superman. Tell me about that. He is my Superman, and I miss him every day. When I was young, I mean, he always made me laugh, for starters. He was my rock, and I do have poems in here about him. One entitled Superman. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he always knew what to say to me, no matter how bad I felt. We would go for walks. You know, if I had a fight with my family, we would, he'd take me on a walk, and we'd sit down by the river, and he'd hold me and let me cry on his shoulder. And, you know, we'd sit there until he knew I felt better. Wow. What, a, know, he'd, what a wonderful he'd, relationship. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I love him. <laughs> He was an amazing man. Now, if our listeners want to read your work, they can go to Amazon and they can look, they can, under books, put Dark Angels, A Book of Sins by Jennifer Cunningham. And there it is. Because I've done that. I know that it pulls up very easily. And there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of your poems that are right there that they can read. Where else can they find your work, Jennifer? They can find my work on the Barnes & Noble website, so barnesandnoble.com, pulling it up the exact same way that they would pull it up through Amazon. Um, they can pull it up even through Author House, because Author House is my publisher, mm-hmm. and they have a bookstore as well, and you can pull it up under Bookstore and Author House and punch in the same information. Um, last the news, though, the cover of the title or the, the book cover wasn't on there, but the title's on there, so... As long as you get the right title, you'll be fine. Excellent. Now, if they want to find out more about you, do you have a website? I do not have it set up yet. I need to get going on that. How about... I'm not computer savvy, so... You know what? It's easy to be behind this social media wave. I understand completely. What about Facebook or Twitter? Could they find you on Facebook or Twitter? I am on Facebook. Um, I signed up for Twitter, but... I don't know that I ever really, you know, finished it. <laughs> so You'll I probably need to finish that. And figure it out, because I'm sure that some of our, our listeners would like to follow you on Twitter. And, you know, that's a way for them to know more about you as a poet and a writer. And 
find out a little bit more about your work because you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to say to the listeners while you have their ear about your book or about depression or is there any message that you would like to leave them with? Um, yeah, actually there is. Um, this book is directed more towards, you know, the, the anywhere between age 15 to, I want to say, 21. Um, it covers a wide variety of aspects in the age group of a young lady. Most teenage girls aren't going to talk about how they feel. And right. unfortunately, in, with the technology that we have today, the, the bullying is ten times as worse as it was when I was young because you have the cell phones and people can hide behind what they say instead of looking somebody right in the eye. Right. My biggest advice that I can give both parents and teenagers is to talk to each other. Make sure that um, if a if a young lady or even a young man, even young men can even probably relate to a lot of this, have something that they feel they need to get out. Find somebody that they can trust to talk to, because there's been more than once in my life where I thought that I was completely alone, and more than once in my life where I tried to take my life away from myself. Good. Good. Um, There is help. There are ways. Write. Even if nobody sees it, write, just so you can get it out somehow. That's the best advice, I guess, that I can give. Don't hold it in, because if you hold it in, the storm will eventually erupt. Jennifer, I, I love your final message. I think that that's absolutely terrific. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Jennifer Cunningham, her book of poetry is called Dark Angels. You can find her on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Author House. Our time is up, and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read. <laughs>